Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Svarim Chatter podcast. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be joined once again by Rav Schneer Burton, who is the noted Magid Shir. He was a Rashiva of Yeshiva's base Hillel in New York for three years. He's the author of, um, of Sefer Mishnah Siakiv on Mayadim and Oyri Siakiv on the, um, the Maisa Avis. He also uh, he has a, his own podcast called The Great Sources. And he also actually came in third place in the Chidon Atanach a number of years ago and first place for the uh, Bnei Chutzlaretz. Um, this podcast episode, the topic is going to be about Eretz Yisrael, mainly the mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael. And he recently just finished a 20, I think over 20 episodes about this topic. There's a series dedicated to this, and he's working on a book on this as well about the mitzvah and going through the sources and the Rishonim, and that's what we're going to talk a little bit about. I do want to mention that this episode is being sponsored anonymously um, by a listener who thinks and cares a lot about Eretz Yisrael. So thank you very much, Rabbi Burton, for joining me once again. Pleasure to be here. One correction, my series, the audio series on the great sources, is up to 23, 24 um, episodes, and it's actually not complete. It's ongoing. We, we, we still have to wrap things up. Um, we dealt with the, the halachic matter, and now I'm into the the last bunch of shurim have been about what it's all about. What's the, what's why is it so special? So we're in that we're still finishing it up. Got a few more to run there. Interesting. Okay, thank you for the clarification. So I think last time we did that, we actually were still in the Periscope uh, era of Sfarim Chatter when it was still live. So it was a bit of a while ago. I, maybe just briefly. I mean, for those again, we discussed over there in that episode about like mainly Sfarim the Rishonim, you know, you said it's like a Muna Sfarim and that kind of thing. Um, but for those who are not familiar, maybe just give a brief um, bio, you know, a little bit, talk a little bit about yourself just quickly. Right. So as you said, I I, I, uh, I was Rashiva in Basila for three years, which is a Kachim Yeshiva. I authored these farm on um, basically rooted in my studying of Tanakh. I've been giving Chumash here for the last 10 years and, and counting, uh, learning Chumash B. And I got very interested in learning Tanakh about 20 years ago. And uh, relatedly, I also was very, became very interested in the, Sifrei Yisoyed, let's call it, of the Rishonim, Marinavuchim, Kuzri, and Mubisadeis, and that's what we spoke about last time. Um, so uh, for the last, let's see, so I was I was studying Tanakh for a long time, and I wrote those for him, and then two years ago, we'll get us right up to what we're talking about today, about two years ago, I started looking into very seriously, studying very seriously this, this question of, of how important, of what Eretz is all about, the midst of living in Eretz whether we should or shouldn't live in SSL. Now, interestingly, a little bit uh, of a different, I mean, not all of these podcast episodes I do, but a lot of them are based on a book somebody wrote or a safer or, or history or a topic and that kind of thing. This is not exactly the case, but it is. So first of all, we're going to get to it. You're working on a book on this topic. So that is one thing. Also, your shiurim are kind of, they're not exactly an audio book, but they're kind of like a safer, so to speak, in audio form there. It's a lengthy series of Shurim just dedicated to this topic going through. I mean, you're essentially reworking them now into a book. So that is uh, something I would Exactly. Imagine. I mean, in today's in today's world, I sometimes think about it like, you know, people don't necessarily dedicate that kind of time that's necessary to go through a safer, a safer that's really being on a very subtle topic. But they will be more likely often to listen to something. And I basically look at it like I'm like I'm publishing a classical safer in audio form, which is like a whole new genre in a certain sense of svarim. But I think that's uh, I think that's an interesting idea to think about. You know, what is the most effective way to publish a safer these days? Is it actually to put to pen to paper and have people go buy a copy, 
or maybe it's you know or oral. I mean, tarshabapet. It actually might be more effective. So yeah, I look at the series as 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 being a safer essentially in audio format. Which of course, doing the 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 audio shurim at the same time as working on my written book, of course, complemented each other, and it gave me the structure that I need to 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 write the book. And I'm basically reworking everything that's there into a safer format, which I expect to come out maybe in half a year to a year. Now, why, why, why work on this topic? I mean, why is this a topic that you decided to dedicate so much time to obviously researching and we'll get into that and then just actually recording this, this series and then working on this series. Why is this a topic that you felt was particularly relevant to yourself and to listeners and readers? Right. So for a very long time, like everyone else, I sort of knew that I saw as a major topic of interest to the Tyra and that you could find things all across the spectrum being said about living in Eretz Yisrael, about how it's the most important thing. And then, of course, other people say, well, maybe you don't have to. Maybe you're not allowed to because there's this idea that we're not allowed to, we're not allowed to go back to Eretz Yisrael altogether before the time. So it's like this, it was very murky to me. It was very unclear to me uh, about what's correct or what, you know, what we can, what we should conclude and we should think about this. And it bothered me that it's such a fundamental topic like that. I, and again, I say, I'm not just speaking for myself. I felt like in the yeshiva world, even Tomita Chachamim didn't necessarily have clarity about something which is so fundamental. So I felt like it was really necessary to do what, what I consider to be my, my role, my job, which is to take a Torah topic that's not being adequately that hasn't been adequately worked out and researched and to look at it in a fresh, original way and try to put it all together and try to get to what I would call the MS, try to get to the final true conclusion about the matter. So I felt like, you know, it started as a very selfish project in the sense of like Terminus Lassus, I was doing it for myself. I felt really like I had a void in my knowledge by not having really strong clarity about it. Just a little this, a little that, hearing this sheet to that sheet instead of really working it out. And then what happened was after studying it for a very long time with my Talmud and close friend, Mikey Stone, we said, you know, as we were going through the Sugi, we've been learning it. We learned it for more than a year, I think. Um, and as we were going through it, the, we, we realized that if this reaches the point where there's enough of original thought, enough novelty that's worthy of a book, then we got to write the book. So at a certain point, I said, yeah, you know what? This is coming together in a way that there's really a lot of new ideas and clarity that I want to share with the world. So I started in the podcast form because I had the great sources. So that was my season two. Remember season one was all about Hashkafa. That's what we spoke about last time. Season one was about fundamental topics in Judaism. And season two, I said, you know, let's, let's do it this way. I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the, that format. I'll use it. Um, I'll use the form of the podcast for, for arranging all the ideas. And, um, and then at the same time, I started writing the safer. So I feel like, I feel like, you know, it's a very high level. The, the shurim are very high level. That's accessible to, I think it's accessible to most people, but for serious Tamil Chum will also appreciate the nuance and the subtlety. I'm really taking something which is surprisingly complex. You would think it's very basic, but it's actually surprisingly complex. I'd love to talk a little bit about that. What's so complicated about it. Um, and I think it's really getting to the root of it. So like I said, Tamil Chum can gain from it. And, um, and I hope to target, I hope they will, you know, ultimately I'm writing a safer, the safest with Tamil Chum. It's, it's a high level safer that I hope to people who are high level learning will realize, hey, this is a topic that, that is worthy of our, our thinking, worthy of our analysis. 
Right, but obviously, like you said, it is accessible for for everyone, especially on the uh, on, on your podcast. So let's let's right. jump in. Let's jump in a little bit to the topic. Obviously, as more we'll get more back to the general questions about the whole topic, but just talk about the topic as we're here discussing. Mm-hmm. What is the whole? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have a twenty part series and a conclusion episode, so everyone can can check out all that. We're not going to obviously cover nearly what you covered there, but just to, right. to you know go through a little bit on the topic. Just first of all, just to start off, an overview of the whole. So yeah, just a basic overview of it, of, of the whole mitzvah right stroll, you know, where it comes from and the right. whole, it just. Sure. So yeah, you know what happens? A lot of people, I tell them I have a series about it, so okay, and they listen to a share and they're like, wait, you have 20 shirim? <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you'd have one share on it, right? And then, of course, you have other people who say like, yeah, well, of course, it's always a good thing, but like, do you don't have to go, whatever. And, the, you know, so there's a lot of, first of all, people don't realize how much goes into the topic. And of course, there's also people, a lot of people who think that it's all very, <clears throat> pat and clear and, and done, but it's not. So I'm going to give you some some of the issues. I'll tell you about some of the issues that inform this question. Um, of course, we don't need to say that it's also very important to the Torah. That's very obvious. Okay, so one major question is why? Like I said, that's sort of what I'm getting at at the end of the series, and it's a, the safe is going to follow the same format. I'm going to get to the why of it at the end. So one question is why? Okay, but the first question that we start, to, you know, if we're starting a halachic sefer and halachic analysis of what we should do, the first question is, is it a mitzvah in the Torah? So that's one of the major questions. Only the Ramban, of all the, of all the people who count, all the Rishonim who counted the mitzvahs, only the Ramban, and we're talking about compared to all the other Maniah mitzvahs, didn't count. Only the Ramban counted it. No one else did as one of the Tayag mitzvahs. So one of the things, the first thing I approach in the sefer is, and in the shiru, in the order of well, what does that mean for us? If something's not a mitzvah, does that mean we shouldn't do it? So that's a very important topic. Or is the halacha like the Ramban? Or is that a das yachid? So that's one major, major subject or sub, subcategory in the, in the discussion. And then another major thing is the shalash shvuis. The Mara says in Ksubis that Hashem was mashbiyah b'nei Yisrael. He made us swear that we're not going to be oil b'chayim or we're not going to go back to Yisrael and mass. And this is the Satmar Rebbe wrote a say for a full book about, or about countries called shalash shvuis, where he argues basically that <clears throat> One may not say that all Jews should go live in Israel, and that would be a terrible sin. So that's another major subject. What is the Shalosh Shavuos about? Uh, what is considered the Chikas HaKates? The Umar says, we're not allowed to haste in the end. We're not allowed to try to basically engage in Messianic activities before its time. Well, saying that we should all live in Israel, is that hastening the end? Is that something that the Umar is referring to? Why would this be so terrible? So that is a major, major subject. Um, another part of it is, isn't there a decree that we should be in Golis? So... How could you, you know, how can you say I want you to go to Israel? Hashem decreed we should be in Golas. And that's another thing Satan Rebbe talks about and others. Um, another big thing that concerns people, and this I think you'll see how how this is very different than most sugyas. It, it, it gets into like history and very subtle kind of thought. Because like another thing that concerns people is, well, so many people didn't go throughout the generations. So can you really say that it's a mitzvah? Um, during the whole, even during the Bayashani, there was a whole Jewish community living in Bavel, right? Flourishing throughout the Bayashani. There were great G'daylem, essentially, and, and the Chachamim who stayed behind. So clearly it's okay to live in Golis, um, you would think, right? But then you have these Gemaras where they said they hated the Bavliim for not coming back to Etzol during Bayashani. So what's that about? You know, it's almost like you, you sometimes you read these things and it's sort of as echoes of things today. It's like pe- some people live in Israel and say everyone has to go there. And if you don't, you, you deserve, you know, hatred and like you're a bad guy. And some people say, no, we can be in Gaza. So, so these are like these kinds of 
things that have sources, a lot of times in Agada, which are very interesting, it's not just a halachic matter. You know, the question of whether it's a mitzvah or not, that's very formal halacha. But then once you get to history and you get to Agada, and that's why I love this sugya, I really, I felt like um, due to my, my, my specific interests of both Lambda's halacha and also Agada and Tanakh and Sifra Yisait, all these things really come to bear on this, on this sugya because we're dealing with a lot of midrashim, we're dealing with a lot of even history, and, of course, theology. So those are basically, I think, the main topics to bear. Then there's also, there's a sheet of Rabbi Nuchayim Kayin that says we can't be careful about the mitzvah. That's about Taisvis who says, well, these days we're not able to um, be careful about the mitzvah tulis ba'aretz, and that's a challenge. That's another thing I spoke about. Those, I think, are basically, I think I gave you the, the main issues that, that bear on this. Oh, one other thing is like, okay, you know, you look at the Torah, and it's also important, but that's our Tisrael of, the Shechina, where there's a Beis Hamikdash, does that apply to Israel today? So you can see, I think you can see is that this is a sugya that has a lot of dimensions. Um, one of them being time. Like, as opposed to, let's say, you know, Torah says shake a little, right? So it's pretty simple. Shake a little, shake a little, right? But if the Torah talks about Israel within a certain context, i.e. the Beis Hamikdash, well, what does that mean for us today? You can't necessarily just transfer statements made in, in, in the Torah or the Rishonim, et cetera, without understanding the context, but we're talking about something which is obviously historical matter, right? Because everyone agrees that when Mashiach comes belonging to Israel, so everyone agrees we're once belonging to Israel. So, so the question is, a lot of the question becomes history and, and the path of history and where we stand today, you know, where we could, what we're capable of. Now, I think we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the history and the theology and all that, all that later on. But I think, so you mentioned a couple of the topics. Now, so I think just discuss a little, when you have an episode, and I don't know if you want to pick a specific example, like I said, you know, just you want to pick one to, to, to give an example. If you had whatever that topic exactly related to this, uh, obviously we're related to this very well. What would, how do you go through it in that episode? You know, how do you, or it's going to be a chapter in the book or part of a chapter, in the book. how do you approach it? And I don't mean by your approach, like your Hashkafa approach here. I mean, like how mm-hmm. in each one of these, how do you, what do you do go through the sources first and break it down? What is the way that you, and you can give, you know, concrete examples for this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, there's so much there to, to think about. Um, first of all, I want to say a word about that. You know, you said my Hashkafa. So, you know, that was something really interesting about this topic. It's a topic that's very hard to, to approach without having your own Nagiyas or you're thinking of a foregone conclusion, right? Because there's a lot of passion that's brought to be on this topic. You have people, first of all, I don't live in Israel. So, of course, it's like, well, you know, do I want to actually reach the conclusion that I should live there? And then, then what? And then on the other hand, we all have this excitement about thinking about living there. So, so wonderful. So, one thing to be really careful of, and this I was I was extremely careful about this when I was learning the Sibyas and studying things, was to actually try to take the Nagiyas out of the picture and um, not to jump to conclusions until I was certain. And that's uh, what I aimed for in terms of the the, the shirim and, and also then, of course, the, the, the book that's being written. What I aimed for was exactly that, was to try to approach this in a really rigorous, analytical way. So I would definitely start with this. Typically, I would start with the sources. So let's say, um, let's take, for example, the Shalash Fuis, okay? So I start, of course, with the Gemara that talks about these oaths. Hashem said we can't do certain things. And then you you have to analyze that Gemara well, of course, basically like you do any other halakhic matter. Um, 
and the questions of like, what is this all about? Why would there be these um, isurim against taking it soil and all the problems that that poses, especially if going to Ramban, it's a mitzvah in the Torah. So why would there be an, an isur against it? What's the nature of that isur? Pure, really rigorous halachic analysis as, as usual. Um, but of course, this is not gata to Gemara, so it comes with a little bit of a different flavor, and you have to really think about it, perhaps in different ways. And what happens is, I'll give you an example of the Shalosh Ruiz, but turns out with that is there's a, there's a Rambam, Nigeris Taimon, um, that actually references the Shalosh Ruiz, and makes it very clear that he understood them to be reflecting the fact that there's a great danger if we would try to take care of soul before its time, meaning before the world will accept it. So that whole Gemara, not to minimize the Gemara, on the contrary, the Gemara is saying, the Gemara, tell everyone, it's a really interesting Gemara. The Gemara says, if you transgress the Shavuos, Hashem is going to um, make our flesh hefker, like animals, uh, to hunt. It's like a terrible thing, the Gemara says, something that the Gemara doesn't say anything like that for any other Avera. Well, the Rambam says, indicates pretty clearly that, that the Shavuos reflect Sakana, that basically the world might not be ready for, for Jews to assert their independence and to assert their uniqueness. And if the if we do try to do that before the world is ready for it, it's going to have terrible repercussions. So basically, I go through the Gemara, I show the problems of the Gemara, and then I found the source in the Geras Tamons. Like I was saying before, this, the sources here are so far flung. And I'm actually, in my book, I'm also going to have an index because I think, first of all, it's great to have an index people should see. But also, it's really interesting to see how the topic like this really draws on books ranging from Medrash, um, the Kuzri, of course, we should talk about that a little bit because the Kuzri is all about Eretz Yisrael, Mernavuchim, Hechalas, Shari um, and all across of Chazal, of course. So it's like, it's you really have to bring everything together because we're not dealing with something which is like, okay, you know, you learn a Sugi in Fashion Mishpah, like, okay, here's the Sugi, here's the Gemara, here's the Shach, here's the Taz, work it out. This is something that a, wasn't worked out like that, and B, really uh, is influenced and, and, and is, uh, is it, it's, it's rooted in these kinds of things that are more than just halacha. So I'll, I'll go through that. I'll start with the Gemara. I'll go through the sources and I'll say, here's the Rambam, and then I'll prove how the Rambam holds like that and why he holds like that. And in this case, actually, what's interesting was that I didn't find anyone that argues on the Rambam, none of the Rishayim. So to me, that's the final word, that the Shavuos is a matter of, of danger, which changes everything. Obviously, you have to think about okay. So, what's what is that? What are the repercussions of that for Allah? But we'll leave that. That's a detail. Now, do you analyze this all, like you said, halachically, just like rigorously in that way, or does also do you bring in philosophy? I mean, you mentioned philosophy works, but do you bring in philosophy hashkafa? Do you bring in other aspects into the into this as well? Right. So you can't not. You can't avoid them. Now, what's important to say, and this I think would touches on what we had in our last conversation. Some people think Ashkafa is, is like a soft science, right? It's like, you know, sort of whatever you think, whatever you, however you lean. And the thing is, it's not. You can, you, the, the same rigor we bring to halachic matters, we must bring to Ashkafa matters. And particularly in a topic such as this, where you cannot determine the halacha as in what we should do without determining the Ashkafa. So like, for example, that, I, this, that idea I mentioned earlier, that people say, well, there's a Xeris Gullus. There's a decree which should be in Gullus. So therefore, there can't be a mitzvah. Some people argue it's impossible to say there's a mitzvah living in Israel today because God decreed that we should be in exile. So in order to analyze that, you have to think about, well, what does it mean that there's a Xeris Gullus? What does it mean that Hashem decrees something? Does it mean that there's a reality of Gullus? In which case, if we could go back 
there is no Xero Scholar or does it mean something like more of a theological thing about what Hashem's will is, and therefore we should try to read his will and say, well, he wants us to be in Gullah. So we quickly, we quickly descend. Once you get past like the first basic question of is it myths or not, you're quickly deep in Hashkafa. And like the Sefer of Yoyah for the Satmar which is a wonderful Sefer, and I learned a lot from him. I learned through it three times because, of course, it appears a lot on this subject. It's Ashkafa Sefer, essentially. It's Ashkafa Sefer in the sense, and he's, he's not saying, he, he doesn't say that, meaning he's arguing halacha. And he does come out with halachic conclusions. When I say it's Ashkafa Sefer, I mean to say is you can't disentangle the halacha from the Hashkafa. So you're forced to analyze the Hashkafa or the Agada, I like to call it, because Hashkafa is, like I said, people think it's a soft science. So at least Agada is a word that hasn't been tainted by that connotation, I think we could say. Um, you have to analyze and learn the Hagada just as well as we usually bring with the same rigor that we all used, but we're taught to bring, and we hope usually do bring to Allah matters. So you mentioned the, the Satan Rebbe. I want to mention, interestingly, we're actually recording this in the Cook's Yard site. Um, this just happened to be, came out. Right. Did you go through, did you go through any of his writings and thought or Rosh Kalisher or Al-Kali, all the old, any of those who you didn't do that? Okay, right. So in general, in general, with I'm not familiar with the Cook's writings, unfortunately, and that's something I would like to rectify just to see what's there. I mean, to get to develop an opinion, I simply don't really know, not so familiar with his writings. Um, so that's about, about Rav Cook. However, in general, um, I certainly read whatever I get my hands on, all this farm that that exists, and of course, in the last you know 150 years, when when the idea started of returning to Israel, in a real way, there's been a proliferation of of literature about it. Um, Shiva Siyain is, is is a collection of writings from the Gedolim, and I mean I could go on and on listing this for him. Um, <clears throat> There's of course a modern ones. Case is, is a recent one. It's a good, a good uh, compilation, a good Likud. And there's a material writing, as you mentioned. Of course, I saw that. Um, there's so much in Bloomberg. There's so much out there. Then, and of course, I basically read everything because I didn't want to miss anything. I wanted to really get the Mishnah on the matter, really get the final word. So I'm trying to write a book that's comprehensive, and every once in a while, like I don't know if I'll ever finish it because every once in a while I get an email saying, "Hey, you know, someone just put out." a new leak art, a new compilation, a new collection, um, take a look, right? So I, so I, what I'll do is I'll go through that and, and because I don't want to miss anything. And, and by now, I feel like I've seen, I've seen it all, more or less, meaning I'm confident that there's not going to be an important mind mocking that, that I missed. But there's, there's so much out there that I try to familiarize myself with. But actually, with Cook, I don't know that he wrote specifically on this in a formal way. I mean, I don't think he has like one essay or, or say for on the midst of living that so per se. Of course, it's a, it's a major component in his whole theology, but I don't think I haven't found it. So I don't think that exists, that kind of targeted work. I guess someone will send you an email um, with, with a source for you. To- I hope so. I hope so. Please do. Yes, I definitely invite them to. And and if there's anything else, let me know. I mean, let me know if there's anything else that I, I need to see for sure. Now, I forgot also Eim Avadim Smecha. Did you use Eim Avadim Smecha? Eim Smecha, right, right. Eim Avadim Smecha is, it's interesting. It's, it's more of like an inspirational. And people reference it as like being the, the Bible of, of, of returning to Israel, or the Shulchan Aruch, I should say, maybe. Like, let's return to Israel. But it's, it's a little bit more of an inspirational work than a halachic work. Like if you compare Eim Avadim Smecha and Eim Avadim purely in terms of style, I'm like, of course, content couldn't be, you know, uh, that's east to west in terms of content. But in terms of style, the Avadim is much more of a halachic kind of work that he's using the regular kinds of halachic considerations. But Ben Adam Semecha is basically was in love with the idea of Israel and was couldn't believe that everyone is not sharing in his great passion. 
And he's basically saying, you know, here we all have to do this. It's amazing. It's a nice work and not, not to minimize it in any way, but it's a different kind of work. It's not so much halachic as, as, as some other ones. Right. That's the uh, Rosh I mean, also there's the, um, right. there's the two volume writings of, uh, the Alkali also as well. Right, from, uh, right. I don't know if you. Uh... There's so much. There's really so much. Yeah, I just want to again, <clears throat> just throwing out a, a couple, a, a couple of these, and I think, <clears throat> I think that really leads to the next question, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, which is, um, <clears throat> sorry about that, which is basically, what is you know we kind of discussed the state of the current literature, but I guess I guess. I don't know if I'm going to ask you more about that, but I think really, so why the need for another book? Why there's all this writing, and I don't know if you, I would ask you one question about literature. Is there uh-huh. a current, you know, encompassing, not like one of these classicals, or is there a book that, you know, safer that is encompassing something that you're trying to do to discuss all these? Uh, right. Not? Right, right, right. So especially recently, there have been some, some, some Svarim that come out, um, that come out about Eretz Yisrael. Uh, for example, that we, that one I mentioned, which is a very fine liquid, mostly compilation. And that's what I wanted to, that brings me to what I wanted to add. Um, I have no interest in, in writing a, a safer that's not needed. Um, you know, there's Barsham proliferation of Swarm, wonderful Swarm about this topic. More often than not, what we're seeing is um, people bringing the original sources and collecting them, putting them together. That's extremely useful. What I wanted to, what I'm aiming to do and what I think I accomplished in my series is to bring a new original and nuanced approach to the question, really facing the, the fundamental questions on a fundamental level. That's not something you see so often because, I mean, some people just, that's not where they're holding. They're not ready to bring in their own way of thinking. They want to just show you what's out there. Um, sometimes people have a sort of a certain agenda, which is sort of decided before they wrote their book. And what I felt there was a need for someone who's going to say, hey, look, let's approach this again in an original way. Let's look at all the options. Let's look at the Satmar Abishita very seriously. Let's look at the um, at the Eim Abon Musamecha very seriously. Let's take everything really seriously with an open mind. And let's analyze it really based on the original sources, Gemara, Medrash, Vishayim. And let's see what comes out. And doing that, it comes out that that there's actually very a lot of new things to, to say, a lot of different ways to think about things that haven't really been covered. In other words, like I was saying before, right? We're talking about a subject which is not static. I want to give you an example of that. Let me give an example to, that will make that clear. There are some sources, and people, some people want to stress this very much. There are sources that say, Eretz Yisrael is wonderful for tzaddikim. If you're a tzaddik, you belong in Eretz Yisrael. And that makes perfect sense because clearly if you look at the Torah, Eretz Yisrael, what's Eretz Yisrael about in the Torah? It's about some relationship with Hashem. It's not just about just having a, a place to live. So there are people who are going to say, and, and you'll find sources for this throughout the generations, even the Rishayim, you know, if you're if you're Rishayim, then you belong in Eretz Yisrael, but if not, maybe not. And then what some people might do, and this is wrong, they reflexively take that and they apply that today. And you have to say, wait a second, Let's get a little context over here. There's Israel today, which is, which is a country that there's a possibility for us to live there as a community. And then there's a Rishonim writing in the 1300s where the question is, should someone go as an individual? So you have to understand a little bit of history and again, a little bit of theology to know that the relationship between the community and Hashem and the Torah is different than the relationship of an individual. So even if Israel is for Tzadikim, it's for Kedusha, that doesn't necessarily mean that today when a community could live there, 
if you're not a tzaddik, you don't belong being part of the community. Community is not made of only tzaddikim, right? Community is full of all sorts of people. So that's an example of, of taking the existing literature, essentially, starting from, of course, from Gemaras, Midrash, Chazal, and in a certain sense, updating it, meaning looking, reviewing it, looking at it fresh. The Shalash is another good example, because if the Shalash is all about danger, then the Shalash had obviously could have been very important for a very long time, but then we have to say, well, is there a danger today? That becomes a whole different question. So these are dynamic questions. The Torah is not, a, especially the Torah about living in our soul, which is obviously a historical question. It's not just about, it's not a static question. Like I said before, everyone agrees we have to go to the soul when Mashiach comes. So obviously the concept of the soul has a dynamism to it. And you have to approach the literature. And this is something that I aim to do, and I hope I did it very well, and say, context, context, context. Let's think about when, what this region said and what he was referring to. Is he referring to Israel when the when the nation is living there? Is he referring to Israel when there's a community there? Is he referring to Israel when it's desolate? Getting back to that thing I mentioned earlier, how come everyone didn't go? One of the big issues, some father's people, how come everyone didn't go? How come if it's such a great mitzvah, like you find some sources saying, you know, famously the Gemara says in Subis, you live in Chutzah, it's like you worship idols. So it's like my daughter said to me, like, well, what are we doing here? <laughs> right? You worship by desire. Like, what's the question? It's a no-brainer, right? This is actually a good question. I mean, you know, for the mouth of babes, sometimes they 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 know they, they get it right. But but the point is like, okay, so how come everyone didn't go? And then you say, Well, wait a second, what is there to soul when it's desolate? Is that the art to soul that 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 Gamar is talking about when there's nothing there, when there's no community there, when there's no infrastructure there? Perhaps not. What does yeshiva's arts mean? Yeshiva's arts might mean, of course, especially according to Ramban, living there and having control, or at least having society, having community. So that's another example of something where you can't just take a, a, a written source and say, look, it's black and white. Because there's another dimension to every safer, which is time and history. And you have to be able to have a little bit of a historical sense, which unfortunately I don't have enough of. I mean, I don't, I'm not so good on the history, but there's a lot of history here. The history of Golas the history of even Rebuda Levi calling on basically calling on us to return to Israel in the year 1100 about. So you have to understand the role of Bavel, the, how Bavel was a center of Judaism till around that time, the, the 10th, 11th century. And then what happens after that? So all these things bring to bear in a very, um, very interesting and, and fascinating ways. Now, so, so what exactly is the series and the <clears throat> Safer, <clears throat> what exactly is its Novelty per se is it is it uh, is it that you put it all together in this package or is it that you're coming up? Are there, is there a specific chedushim that you were able to come out with? Right. So yeah, there's certainly some, certainly specific chedushim, which I think are very compelling. Um, my approach, what I always aim for is is like I said before, is 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 great rigor and analysis. That's how I like to give my gemara shurim, and that's why I like to give my chumash and ashkafa shurim. And the same thing applied over here. And what I did was, we spoke about this last time too. I said the value of patience when you learn. Um, I have no problem having a question and saying, okay, I don't have the good answer and I'm going to wait till I get the good answer. Because I have, I have like such a muna that what the medrash or what the Gemara is saying actually will work out. Just give it some time. Stay with the question until you get the right answer. So what I found was that approaching things this way allowed for eventually everything to come together in extremely compelling ways. And yes, certainly chadushim. I mean, I guess, spoiler alert, you know, people say to me, okay, so what's the conclusion, right? <laughs> but I, I don't like that because, first of all, I want you to read the book and listen to the series, but that's because you learn a lot more by understanding how I got to the conclusion. My conclusion is that it really is very important and we really should go to it so when we can. But 
going to Ed Soul means something. It doesn't mean just living there. It means understanding what Ed Soul is all about, which is why I'm focusing on that element too. So that's the conclusion, but it's nuanced even for that reason, because it's not just about moving there. It's not just a mice and mitzvah, but Alma just go move there. It's about a whole idea, a whole approach. And um, that approach is developed through the Sefer. Like I said, I, I, I believe I brought a lot, a lot of new ideas. And uh, it's not just putting together the sources, but it's showing what conclusion we need today in our current state in a very compelling way. And you know what? It's like certain Sfarim, a lot of Sfarim are, are basically analyzing what's existing, right? Typical safer, like, okay, even a halacha safer, you have a question, a shiloh, to a truva even. So what happens? You have a question, halacha, so the, the person who's answering the question has to look at the existing box and find out what's there, right? All he's doing is discovering, uncovering or discovering what is there. Then there are some spots which are not just showing you what's existing, they're really, of course, sort of creating a derech. So like in, in, in obviously in machshava, um, Maranavuchim comes to mind, or the Kozri Buddha Levi is maybe a better example, because he's clearly not just teaching you Torah in, in, in the Kozri. He's actually trying to get you to think a certain way and actually trying to get you to have a certain orientation to, to, to practice, specifically about Eretz Yisrael. It's all very central in the Kozri. And he clearly felt, Buddha Levi clearly felt that at his time, it's important to call to the people to focus on that. So you have a lot of Sparim that are not just telling you Vashtet, as in what's already there, but they're trying to put it together in a way that becomes compelling and they're trying to chart out a course for people to, to, to orient themselves. You could use even in, in halacha, you could say, point to some sperm like that. Obviously, it's mostly in Agada and Machshava, but let's say, for example, Chedush Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi Rambam. Is he just there to tell you Pshat and the Rambam? doesn't seem like that. It seems like he's also trying to chart a course of, of how people, how he wants people to learn, how he wants people to think, because Every single shtickle follows a certain way of thinking. He obviously had, he was definitely able to think of like a balabatisha tarot for some of his crashes, and yet there's no one balabatisha thing in the book. Why? Because he's not just telling you something, he's trying to nudge us in a certain direction, right? So that's what I'm trying to accomplish with the Safer also. And I only will, the, the Safer and the series it was, it will only be a success to the extent that people see a, a sort of a vision. It's not just dealing with what's already there and showing you, hey, look, it's there. I'm just bringing it together. It's putting things together and showing you that we could look at things a certain way. We could and should look at things a certain way. And it's sort of a call to action and, and a vision for, for a, a way of, of acting and for practice. So it's not just like, hey, you know what? Maybe no one noticed this Sif and Shukhanach. I want to shine a light on the Sif and show everyone it's there. It's more of almost like creating that Sif, as in giving people a derech, showing them a derech for, for how to act. Now, you mentioned before a number of svarim um, that discusses. Are those all, you know, I, I kind of svarim that you use, but what, are, what would you say are the main sources that you deal with here? And then, uh, you know, I want to discuss, you know, the main ones that you really focused on. You know, I don't know if it's each, every episode in and out, but or every chapter, but what is it the main, you know, you say this here, the main Mukairis? Right. So, Vigal Moshe, Samarabo, was like, it was on my desk for the last two years. Um, my conclusions are, are very different than the Satan Rabbis. And like I said before, my job is to think and to work as hard as I can to see what I believe is the MS. And um, that's what I did. And, and the conclusions are very different than his. Um, I actually have some Satan roots and, and, and happens to be. And I have great respect for Satan Rebbe, of course. And, and for his the wonderful Sefer of Yom I want to say that 
I'll, I'm going to get back to your question soon and talk about some other sources, but that is definitely one of the major, major sources about this topic. Um, yeah, I want to say that that I, I think that I would love, if I could meet the Satma Rebbe, I think we would have a wonderful conversation. And I think that he would appreciate what I did because, because simply because I'm doing what, what, uh, what someone is supposed to do if he's capable of it, which is if you have that knowledge and you have the skills, the analytical skills to understand the terror, you know, in the way that you can, then that's your job. You know, you can't shy. Sometimes people tend to shy away from controversial subjects. And, you know, if someone really feels that he's not qualified to think about something originally, then he shouldn't. But if someone thinks that he is, then that's what your chiv is. That's what you should do. So I like to think that uh, Sam Rebbe, of course, did what he, what his job was. And so did I. And even though my conclusions are very different, I think that's, you know, Kahi Dark Shelter, that's totally fine. And that's one of the major svarim. The Abne Neza has a very lengthy chuva about it. There's another big source. Because, you know, recently is when it became a practical question, right? So you sort of have the recent sources. Then, of course, um, the Kuzri was, Kuzri's always on my desk, but <laughs> I have to keep it on my desk even more frequently because of this subject. Uh, the Kuzri, you know, Biakav Emden classifies the Kuzri correctly in the following way. In the Hakadama to the Siddur, Biakav Emden calls the Kuzri, he says, Kimat, the axis on the axis of Eretz the whole Sefer revolves. The whole Sefer Kuzri revolves around this axis, the axis, which is very true. Of course, you know, Buda Levi in his own personal biography, right? He uh, supposedly ended up going to Eretz Did you ever once, do you once interview someone about Buda Levi? Did you ever get anyone? No, I, I didn't. I did one that I that I would like to. I was going to mention. Obviously, I mean, I, I assume everyone's familiar with this. You know, the Kenna, Tzian Alay Tashali, and all his uh, Kenna's on this. This is something that he was always longing for Eretz Yisrael. And yeah, right, right. He has the beautiful poems. Um, in fact, I can. I, I, I one of his poems I used in in one of my episodes. Not so much for a halachic matter, but just to express something because he talks about he was in Mitzrayim, and um, he wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael, and he was being dissuaded. Apparently, by his by people in the time, were basically saying, you know, we crazy, <laughs> because back then it was dangerous, really dangerous, and of course he had he had his friends in the time and his farm, I imagine, and he's going to go to Edsel, not going to have anything there. And he writes this beautiful poem saying, basically, if you want to argue uh, based on the Torah, then I can talk to you, then then we'll talk. But if you have any other agenda besides for figuring out what the Torah wants, then I don't want to have anything to do with you, anyways. So like. You know, I'm not interested in, in sharing this conversation. So I quoted that also because I felt like that after going through things in a very rigorous, like I said, trying to be nonpartisan and really just trying to see what the sources say, I felt the same way. But like if someone wants to talk terror with me, I am really excited to do that. The problem is, not the problem, and I, I remain by that, but the fact is there's also a lot of partisanship, right, in this topic. A lot of um, people coming with, what's the word? Like factionism, you know, they, they're just they're sold to a certain point of view. And there's, of course, politics involved, too. And there's identity. And that gets in the way of, of thinking about this entire way. What I try to do in my series of the Safer is say, let's learn this like we learn the rest of the Torah. Let's do Torah Manaslases, Torah Manaslamid, and see where it gets us and then try to live by that. So do you find that people, I don't know if this is from feedback you've gotten or just you're kind of the feeling on the street, so to speak. Do you find that people are knowledgeable about this topic or not? And is that something that, you know, an interest you're trying to, you're trying to enlighten people or drum up an interest in, in, in just the topic overall, whether or not you're going to get people to right. it, so just an right. interest. Is that something that you're trying to rectify? Right. Or 
you know, obviously you said before what your purpose of going into this is, but like, I'm just curious, you know, in, in that regard. Right, right, right. So, I mean, talking about myself, I, I was interested in the topic for a long time, but I was very not knowledgeable about it. Just, you know, picked up snippets here and there. I mean, even let's say the Satan Rebbeshit and the Amalaysia, it's a very difficult book. You have to read it slowly and carefully. It goes around and around. And everyone thinks they know the Satan Rebbe, this and that. You know, well, do you really know? Do you really understand? Do you really think about what he's saying? Most people didn't. Um, it's like any other topic. You could know that it's interesting. You could perhaps be interested in it. But until you actually jump into it, what do you know, right? You know, if someone knows about Yavamis. What does a person know about Yavamis before he learned the Masech world? Nothing, right? Oh, yeah, if you, someone's brother dies, childless, you marry his wife. Maybe he knows that. And maybe okay, he should spin the shoe if you don't want to marry, whatever. Take up the shoe and spin. But until you actually jump into it and you realize how rich it is, you know not, but next to nothing about it. So that's what personally what I felt for myself. Um, for the entire world, I think it's a topic that's deserving of our attention. And even if someone doesn't, if someone has different conclusions or someone believes that we shouldn't live in it, so I would love for people to articulate that and talk about that. I think considering that it's such a clearly a very central topic in the Torah, an important topic, I think it deserves a lot more attention from Tamid Chomim. You know, I think I think it's it's is it a subject that you can study for for a seder for six months? It is. I, you know, that's it's not a typical one because it's not a it's like one black mar basically, and then you have to branch out and start thinking a lot and just chewing things over and going back and forth and around and around and like I said, a lot of madrashim and so on. But it's the topic that I wish I wish I would see more classic Tamid Chomim engaging in. So it's it's for the Tamid Chomim, the higher strata, definitely. I would love for them to, to get into this as a, as a Torah topic worthy of good analysis. And I would love, to, I'm hoping to educate to educate the masses about how important it is. And Baruch Hashem, I've, I've seen that. I've, I've had some, a lot of success so far with the audio shooter. People come back and say, you know, they learned a lot about how important this is. And, and that's why I do it. I mean, I guess the question, the real question is, like, it's not, I mean, I guess it's, you, you mentioned a conclusion, but like, Tachlis, so you're moving to Eretz Yisrael now? Tachlis, I'm moving to Eretz when I can. <laughs> now, what does when I can mean? What does when I can mean? By the way, this is something I don't discuss in my Sefer or the Ori I discuss whether we should live there or not. I don't discuss, like, okay, what if you have a conflict, right? Because that gets, every mitzvah has that question, right? So I don't want to get, and of course, every mitzvah has a myriad of questions, Shilas, about, well, you know, what if it conflicts with something else? So I don't go into that in my series, because I want to just establish how important it is. It is so, so important. That's my conclusion is completely very, about most important. And I want to do it when I can. I have children, I have family, I have obligations, I have things, you know, it's not easy to move from one city to the next. It's certainly not so easy to move to another country. And of course, you have to think about chinuch, you have to think about society, you have to think about parnas, obviously, and all sorts of considerations. And Till then, I want to do. Uh, till then, I'm trying to make a bechinas eretzisol and chutzlar. It's really what I'm working on. This, I, basically, that's what I'm focusing on now. It's like there's an idea that eretzisol is about. It's not just about a piece of land. It's about a certain idea, and that's what I'm talking about a lot in my last in the end of the series that I'm currently in the middle of. And those are some things we can start doing in in, in chutzlar. And I'm trying to do that here. It sounds crazy. Like you have to listen. You got to listen to what that means to understand what the bechinas eretzisol is about, like what eretzisol is all about. But but as a practical sense, yes, I want to move there. And I intend to move there when I can. Lineder. So kind of as a final question on the topic, is I mean, so so what can people gain out of why should they listen to the series? I mean, why should they read the book? Is it is it something like you're saying, is it is it, it's not necessarily that they're gonna get inspiration to just go and pick up the artist? Maybe they will, or maybe like I say, they have a conflict. So what is it? Is it just to find out about a very interesting, important myth or something they don't know about and you just wanna give them that information, or is it another reason? Right. Right, so that's what I was saying before. It's, this is not just about teaching Torah. I'm um, showing Torah that's there, which is, of course, that is of utmost importance in and of itself. 
this is really about providing a derech. The same way if someone could read a book and get inspired to do something because he gets a certain vision. That's what I'm trying to accomplish with this also. It's not merely about um, determining halacha. It's that, but it's also about giving people a certain idea and an ideal of what we should aspire to, and, and th- that will actually interest them and make them exciting. Same way if I, see, getting back to that question, even when I started earlier about the Ramban, the Ramban is the only one that counts it as a mitzvah. So does that mean that we shouldn't do it? Well, it's clearly very important to the Torah, even if it's not counted as one of the Tariq mitzvahs, and that's what I go through at length in the uh, Shurim and in the book. It's clearly very important, even if you don't count it as one of the mitzvahs. So perhaps that obligates us to, to go live there. But to say that, you have to explain, well, why is it important? What's important about it, right? Tell someone, do something because it's important. Well, it's not important to me because it doesn't mean anything to me. So I have to tell you why it does mean something to you. So what I'm trying to do is not just tell people, okay, this is the halacha, your asterisk is puzzle, your tefillin are kosher, put up the mezuzah on this side of the door. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to also give them a sense of what they can become and what they can aspire to and what we as a nation can aspire to. So it's, it's, a, it's a safer and a series that's trying to provide not just a halacha, but also a derech and a vision. Got it. Okay, so I will include the link in the uh, show's notes to the series. Um, and you said the safer will be out, you hope, six months, a year, you hope you're still working on it. Yeah, yeah, it's almost uh, completed the writing, but, you know, and there's the editing and there's the typesetting and everything. So I'm, I'm hoping, I think a year is, is realistic, I hope. Right, okay. And is, is there now, you said you're finishing up the series. I mean, you know yet what you're going to be working on next? You're not sure whether it's a safer or your series, you don't know. Yeah, oh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking for the great sources. So season one was about topics, Nashkafa. Season two was about it. So I think season three is going to be going through the the Svarim, the fundamental Svarim that we spoke about, and like trying to give an introduction to them, each one on its own, giving a three, four shurim on each safe, like going through Marduvuch. I mean, Marduvuch, we can't do justice in that amount, but give an introduction to it. A couple of shurim, Amrusadeus, and um, and the others from Kuzvi Chavis I mean, for my personal projects, I, I I have a list of books I want to write that's very long. And we'll see what's next. I'm also working on writing my Kachim Shurim now. The Shurim I gave in Basilo, we are, we know that we have a group that's that's help, helping and supporting and that's, and, and encouraging me to um, put that into, into safer form. So that's another project I'm working on now. And there's Baruch Hashem, so much, so much good to do. Question is, there's not enough time. <laughs> right. Like, like everyone, I'm sure, can uh, basically relate to that. So, <laughs> right, um, okay. So thank you very much for joining me once again and to uh, to discuss this topic. And but obviously this is just like barely scratching the surface. So anybody that wants to know more, like I said, we'll go like you said, we'll go check out the uh, the series and we'll look forward to the book coming out. Zaki, thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you.